Let's take our declaration of understanding quickly, and then we'll sit down as we begin to study. If you are ready, give me an amen. Amen. All right, I want to let's go now, I declare. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It will give me light and direction. It will heal me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. Say like you are alive. Amen. The Lord is good. Let's quickly take our seats. We'll pray in a moment. All right, let's open our Bibles quickly to the book of Luke chapter 21. I just want to add something to what we discussed last time. Last time we were talking about fear and how it's so important we don't um, allow fear in our lives. I said if we have fear, if we have worry, what will happen is that we'll make wrong decisions. That's a matter of fact. We are going to act in a way that will remove us from where God wants us to be. We will remove ourselves from the plan of God for our lives. We will remove ourselves from the blessing that God has prepared. That's a problem with fear. That's a problem with anxiety. And I said that what we do, one of the things we do with prayer is our school of prayer. Please, let's see, understand what I'm trying to do here. We are trying to make sure we know how to pray. A lot of prayer time is wasted. A lot of prayer time is wasted. Believers spend a lot of time praying for things that don't matter. Do you get my point? They don't pray about foundations. They pray about fruits and about leaves. Meanwhile, there are foundational issues that they should tackle. God gave us prayer to be able to do the things that are more important. You will see. Now, what I'm going to emphasize is the fact that that's why we need to learn to pray effectively. Let's know the things that God will want us to pray about, things that will be important to us. Many times, Christians are gathered to pray about things that do not matter. Things that are fruits, they are not foundational. Things that are fruits, they are not the roots. Things that are fruits and leaves, they are not the seeds, the root of the matter. So they may seem to get a result temporarily, but the results don't last. I remember one discussion my wife and I had about a particular situation. Somebody, a close person, told her the story of her life. How she had problems, and then the problem was solved by prophecy and all of that, and in my opinion, a bit of divination. <laughs> Do you understand? So I said to her, I said, the problem hasn't gone away. I said, this problem hasn't gone away. It will come back again in another form. Why? I said, whoever be that uh, preacher, that prophet, he handled the, the leaves, he handled the fruit. He did not tackle the root. So when I heard the story, initially she was impressed with the story, but then I pointed out to her, I said, my sweetheart, that problem is not going away. This person, you know, Jeremiah said like this, they've healed the heart or the brokenness of the daughters of my people slightly. Superficially, that's what he said literally. Superficially. It's possible to heal superficially. He said, they say peace, peace when there is no peace. That is when you hear encouraging words, your wounds are healed. Did you hear that? The wounds are healed, but superficial. If the truth has not been told to the root, if the root has not been discovered and spoken to, the fact that somebody is saying peace, peace, does not mean there will ultimately be peace. But you'll be encouraged for a moment. That's what Jeremiah was saying when he said that. So Christians must learn 
to pray about the things that matter in life. They must learn to pray about roots. They must learn to pray about the real seeds of life. Many of the things we are worried about are, you know, let me, let's take about prosperity as an example. God doesn't want you to worry about being rich. Or, first, you must never want to be rich. Leave that thing. If God wants to give it to you, he will. What he wants you to desire is that he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. And one thing he has tied to that is season. Season. Many people are fighting and sowing seeds and working hard for things that are not in the current season. God is not interested in making you so affluent and comfortable as a young man, as a young woman. He said, bear your body now. There are things that you will never know. You know, I found that one out. I said it last time. Was it last time or the time before? That, you see, complacency is normal as a human being. So occasionally God will stir you up with situations around. In the same manner, there are things you can never learn except you pass through the experiences. They are not teachable by reading. I hope you're getting my point. So that's why the Lord said, look, young man, young woman, pass through these things now. Pass through these things now. Don't worry. Don't stop praying and killing yourself over this. God, do this for me. I will do it. It's a matter of time. So he said, this period, pray about how can I be faithful? How can I sow the right seeds? How can I endure hardship? Because, you see, there's a trick for endurance. Yes, there's a trick for endurance. You can be going through hardship, and God says, I'm not going to remove it. You have to endure it. So you have to learn him, pray to him. What are the methods that we use to endure? Yes, enduring is something. You see, a lot of pastors, many times, uh, motivational speakers, they gather young people and tell them what they can do. Listen, teach people how to endure. If you are one of those doing such seminars, tell them how to survive on a small income. <laughs> yes. It's part of the things. You do. I say it along the lines when I'm talking. I drop tips here and there. Because people are having financial issues, not because they don't have enough money, but because they have more problems than the money can solve. So sometimes the skill God wants to give you is reduction of problems, reduction of issues, how to reduce your need. You say, scale it that, that house is too big. Live in a smaller house. It's costing you too much to maintain that car. Pack it. There are little, little things they will tell you. Reduce your expenses. No, there are so many things. So that's why God sometimes for young people, there's a word my the Lord give me a hammer for what? The only hammer I will give you, eh? <laughs> it's for your head to, to reset you. <laughs> yeah, because there's no, not because he can't do it, but because if he did it, he will ruin your tomorrow. So he says it's good for you to bear your burdens when you are still young. I hope you're getting my point. So when you are still young, you should ask the Lord, give me the strength to bear my burden. Which burden am I supposed to bear? Actually, you should look out for burdens to bear. Don't try and escape burdens. You see, if you walk in that place, you walk is hard, <laughs> and you are young. Go and take that job. Do you get my point? Don't run away. It's very common with core members. And they go to do NYC. They are looking for where they won't have to do anything. There was one call member that my wife had those days. He's a, he used to whine. I like to tell that guy's story once in a while. The guy was Mr. Whiner. You know what they call whiner? He could whine and complain. One of the things he used to tell my wife, that why is she making them work so much? That they know their colleagues who are working in ministry of this and ministry of that. You know, those federal government parastatals and state parastatals where you don't have to do anything. Don't show up, sit under a mango tree, tell stories, sign your papers. Then on the day of the CD, don't bother coming at all. 
At the end of the month, they sign papers for you, and then you collect your federal government-provided allowance every month. So the guy will tell my wife that, eh, what is in this? She, she knows, he knows where, he, what is, where his colleagues are. So one day he came and said that my wife should reject him so he can go back to NYC headquarters. I said, you? I'm not rejecting you. You will stay here. You will work. She gave him serious tongue lashing. Said, you, I won't let you go. <laughs> the guy complained, but he kept on working. She will harass him about his pronunciation. Yeah, about his grammar. You know those people that used to say, I'm from Anambla State. You know people like that. <laughs> she will harass him about it. The guy had to correct. You have to learn to pronounce English words properly. The guy complained all the time. But his name is in my head now. Nice guy. I never met him funny enough. I only used to hear about him. And he endured to the end. The Bible says he that endures to the end shall be saved. Why am I telling his story? One day, months later, my wife got a phone call. Hello? Ah, good afternoon, ma. It's me. Mention his name. Oh, how are you? How have you been? I'm very fine, ma. I just want to thank you for the experience of working with you. I'm not joking. You know why? You know, without realizing it, he was changed. So, he didn't even know that his whole family knew him as a chronically lazy man. So after NYC, he went to and he was now working with his, was his brother or his cousin, something like that. A close relative, his brother. So in the morning, it was like, maybe that guy had a business. So come and work with me in the business. So in the morning, the guy has woken up. He has dressed up. He has gone to work. Ah, the brother is looking like, ah, is this the same guy I know? In the office, he's up and about, getting things done. So one day, his brother comes and says, what is going on here? Are you the same, his name is Mahe, let me not go and pronounce it. Are you the same fellow I knew? Yes, any problem? He said, no, you're not like this before. He said, ah, is the madam I did NYC on the That it was then he, he didn't know he had been changed though. It was when his brother sat him down and said, what is going on here? That that guy then looked back and said, ah, it's where I'm coming from. His brother told him flat, I didn't know you could walk like this. He was a lazy human being. But God said, let me bless this guy. Sent him to my wife to go and do NYC. And she was done with him in a few months. The guy, without trying, he had learned the culture of hard work. Many young people, that's what God wants to do for them. They are looking for where they will sit down and not do anything. I will not do that for you, the Lord says. I will send you to a village. Say, your father has always put air conditioners on your head. I want you to know that life is not air conditioned. You know why God took Joseph to the house of Potiphar? He was spoiled. Jacob has spoiled him for the love he had for his mother. So when everybody's going out to go and walk on the... Why, why did the brothers didn't like him? There's a reason. There was a reason. Everybody's out there in the sun walking. The guy is under the, you know, under the tent sharing milk with his uh, father. The only work he ever did was go and give the brother something. Go and tell the brother one thing. They look at him. Foolish boy, he has come. They, they had calloused hands. They had sunburned skin. This guy was so fine, wearing Armani suits. It was a uh, Armani suit in the wilderness. You will see. He was so well-dressed. Coat of many colors. We call it using King James' expression. That was the first thing his brothers removed. It was the will of God. <laughs> when they grabbed him, give us that cloth. Give us that cloth. 
God said, no, you are not going to die. I won't let you die here. You won't die. Why die you? You don't need to die you, man. You are going to survive. They thought they wanted to kill him. But God said, you will not kill him. So his brother, one of the brothers said, let's not kill him. He wanted to go and give him to his, brother, to his father back secretly. God said, no. They sold him as a slave. While that one was not around. They took him to the house of Potiphar. And listen to this. And the strength of God in him began to show. He was a good man. God loved him. He had the strength to walk. His father was the one that was spoiling him. So God took him from there. He said, lie, lie, not here. Took him to Potiphar's house where he was a slave. Where he woke up on time. He didn't have coat of anything. Back home, he had this coat of many colors. Here, he had an apron. <laughs> the guy walked. You know the story. He walked so hard. After a while, ah, Potiphar noticed. Like we said, what we were talking about. Okay, school, there was someone recording radio. He also knew how to pray. He invoked the blessing of God upon the house of Potiphar. Before he knew what was happening, everything around him worked. The horse that they said couldn't run properly. When you gave it to Joseph, it ran. Everything was working smoothly. After a while, Joseph was promoted above everybody else. And Potiphar didn't check his accounts. He didn't check anything. Anything David, Joseph said was final. The Bible says he did not concern himself with anything apart from the food he ate. It's only that, is that the correct food? What's the quantity? He tasted it. No, I want more onions. That's all. He became the lord of Potiphar's house. And Potiphar was no mean man. He was a very high-ranking Egyptian officer. Now what am I going to say? God used the burdens of his youth to bring out the gift of God in him. You know the rest of the story. Let me not go over it again. How he got into prison and then God finally brought him into his destiny. He didn't get into his destiny because things were easy. He got there because things were hard. I hope you're getting my point. Was, who said this thing? Was it a GFK, one of these American presidents or something? Yes, GFK. He said, we're doing these things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And when they were going to go to the moon, it's one of the things he said. He said, why are we doing it? He said, it's not because it's easy. He said, because it is hard. Because it's hard, we will conquer it. We will overcome it. What am I going to say? People must learn how to pray the right prayers. Young people are praying to win lottery. That's how you win. your destiny will be on suspension for at least 10 years. No, if you win lottery as a young man, plenty of money, that's it. Your destiny is suspended. Because you have, to, uh, you have to waste that money first. Be disappointed. Be frustrated. Be depressed. Go to the edge of the river, try the, the bridge. You're about to jump into the water. Somebody brings you out. You have to go through all of that. <laughs> then your brain will now be reset. Go, say, go and do senior secondary living certificate. Say, have you ever passed physics before? Say, no, go and read physics. That's 10 years because you won lottery. You know, if you didn't win lottery, like you're reading your physics. So not only should you not pray to win lottery as a young man, don't even play it. Do I have to go over there again? So why are you betting? We don't have to go over that again. After your phone that you to bet has already died. We killed it from here, did we not? The ones that survived, the betting app was deleted. Any child of God still betting, thunder fire you. That's just the way it works. That will fire anything. You, if you win money, thunder fire the money. The phone you used to bet, thunder will fire it. The laptop you are browsing on, you used to thunder will fire it. Why? Your destiny has to be preserved. You have to learn to gather by labor. I hope you are getting my point. 
So when we are praying, we should know the things that are important. You should know the things that are important. You know, certain things, God has made them fruits. Yeah, pastor, you are praying that the church be 1,000 members. Listen, I went through that stage in life when we were learning things like that. The keys, you set the goal, put it on the wall. Now I know it's not necessary. You know, many people put those goals on the wall. They are still on the wall. <laughs> They've not come to reality. 20 years later, people go and design expensive church buildings. When they have not filled the shop, they are using as church. As you put it on the wall. God didn't send you to build church. That shouldn't be your focus. So you see one beautiful building, so you put it on the wall, you are looking at it. That's where we are going. Building. See, some of those principles may seem to work. I want you to understand something. Even though they may seem to work, you're not supposed to pursue them. Some of those things, they will work, yet they will take you out of divine order. Let me say something to you. Jesus says, seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. What happens? Church building will be added. A thousand member church. Doesn't to be added. The fact that your church has a thousand members doesn't mean you are succeeding. It can be the sign of your failure. It can be the day you finish that building. God said, This building has built. It's a sign that I have left him. Oh, yes. I heard a man give prophecy like that one day. When he was given the prophecy, beautiful, but he interpreted it wrongly. At the end of the day, my wife also was there. He said, Ah, what do you think of what that man said? I said, His emotions did not allow him to interpret the word of God properly. Many of the things we are pursuing after, God said, do the right thing. I will add them to you. Do you get my point? You are a pastor. What are you supposed to seek? God said, I will give you pastors after my heart who will feed you with what? Knowledge and with understanding. So go to God and pray and say, Lord, give me knowledge. Give me understanding with which I will feed your people. Let nobody encounter me and not understand God better. That should be your prayer. Why should you have 1,000 people that you are confusing? Do you get my point? Why should you have prayed God give us 1,000 in this church? You are not asking God. The, the 10 that I have here, are they better believers now than, you know, you know, before they met me? Are they? Look, so that I will give you an example. One of the things I pray about, and I get on my knees many times and I pray about it seriously. God, please, don't let me say things to people that will confuse them, that is, lead them away from the path of righteousness. Because there's no human being, we know the vex. Everybody the vex. Sometimes you are angry, you go and preach because we are angry. I've seen pastors preach before, and I feel sorry for them. The one I have in mind now, I have two, one small pastor and one big pastor. The small one you may not know, but the big one, you don't know him. Once I saw his video, and he was preaching, he was preaching I told my wife, this guy is hot. This guy is bitter. He's in pain. Yes, he's in pain. As everything he's preaching is inspired by pain, by bitterness, by hurt. Not by the spirit. I said that boldly. He quoted scripture. If you see the scripture, he full ground. He gave like 10 different scriptures to support what he was saying. At the end of the day, I just looked. Now, listen to me. I understood why he was in pain. I'm not judging him like bad man, wicked man, better than him. No. But I knew what he had gone through, what he had seen. Despite that, everything he said was a result of pain. And he had thousands listening. Of course, after what he began to pray, and I shook my head. And I was just imagining how heaven was feeling. 
thousands of people, literally tens of thousands, praying empty words. Yes, they were echoing the pain of the man. No one said, where is God my maker? I heard the prayer point he gave them. Like I said, I'm not claiming to be better than him. There was a day I stepped up here to preach. It's even recently. And that day I had personal things that came up, which the word the Lord now I prayed about, and the Lord gave me understanding on how to handle and all of that. So that day as I was approaching, you know, that's how I do. I meditate on what I'm supposed to preach. Just sometimes, sometimes days ahead, sometimes a few hours ahead, and sometimes I get it minutes ahead, and sometimes I'm I'm already saying praise the Lord. When it comes. Are you getting my point? So that particular day, I had it a few, maybe like an hour ahead. This is what I'm going to preach about when I get here today. And it was full of prayer. Then just before I mounted the pulpit, I was in my office on the other side. Then something dropped in my head. Banky, what do you want to preach? Now, listen to me. It was correct. There was nothing wrong with it. I even preached it later. But for that day, I realized that it was ministry to myself. So I dropped it in my office. I said, Lord, we will drop this. So what do we tell your people? Then another word now came to my heart, and I went and preached on that. Now, even though what I wanted to preach, there was nothing wrong with it. It was good word. But I said, no, Banky, this is your problem. You want to now bring it to everybody. You'll be preaching. Maybe they'll be blessed, but truly, this is ministration to only you. And that's not right. So I left it behind. And that few minutes, I rearranged what I needed to preach. That is, the spirit the man of God brings in here, it affects those who listen to him. It does, it does. So I, I do that when I pray, God, please. Let me not preach out of my anger. No, you know, maybe my wife annoys me at home and come and talk about submission. Your wife finished annoying you. Today, I have a special word about submission. If you wanted to preach submission to your wife, drag a chair, sit down there and say, sweetheart, I have a word on submission for you. Don't come and worry the whole church. I've seen it before. People do it. <laughs> one, day, one brother told me that his pastor told him to preach on a particular topic. When he told me, I said, I think, um, let me call your pastor and tell him that topic is not appropriate. But then I shouldn't bother that I was a bit late. The reason was I knew what was going on in the pastor's life. So the pastor was not going to run out to somebody else to preach, and I gave him the topic. I said, no, now, this is manipulation. I was going to call the pastor and say, hello, sir, this guy told me that in your church today, he has going to preach on this. Can I just give you a word of advice? Drop it. Let him preach on redemption in Christ. Let him preach on second coming of Jesus. Let him preach on holiness and righteousness. Not that topic. So that's one prayer. May I pray and say, Lord, I beg. Because we're all human. He's mindful that we are both flesh. Some of these things, we have to bring, not some, all of these we have to bring to him in prayer. So a young pastor, instead of asking for a church of 1,000, these are the prayers you should be praying. Say, Lord, when I stand, let me minister your word. Pray it every time. Let everybody that will come in contact with me Discover Jesus more. Let my words impart healing. Let it impart long life. Let it impart the life of Christ. Let it help people to see from above and not from beneath. Let me feed the people with wisdom and with understanding. Stop praying to God. I want a church of one million people. We learned it those days. He told us that young Gicho got a church of 700,000 people because he knew the keys. I look back and I say, thank you. You mean you believe that? I don't believe such things anymore. I don't even, there are some desires that are unnecessary. They are not even worth praying about. There are churches to be as plenty as young 
to make you feel like what? The Pope of Africa. Yeah, that's what you feel like. Archbishop of Africa. Is that what you want to feel like? Many of these are prayer points that are nothing but pride in the heart of man. Yes, pride in the heart of man. You want to be able to brag. I've seen people make noise about it. We have a church of 50,000 people. To me, so? So, do you know how many people were following our Lagos prophet? <laughs> they were following him everywhere. <laughs> what, so, what's the big deal? Do you know how many people? <clears throat> you know those who have the largest followers on Twitter? There are people that don't teach anybody any morality, nothing. The other day, I think they said, uh, who was it? Some of the largest following on Twitter are girls that walk naked, half naked. Sorry, did I say, sorry, not Twitter. Instagram, yes. When you see, I think on Twitter, I think it should be footballers that have the largest following. Tell Ronaldo is being followed by 20 million, 30 million people. You want to be competing with people like that? If you're not following on Twitter, is what your issue is. Better don't preach like Jesus Christ. Because unfollow is the next option. <laughs> Go and read John chapter 6. One Jesus said, I'm the bread that came down from you. Except to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. Unfriend, friend. They were unfriending him. Left, right, and center. There's thumbs up on social media. Everything was going down like this. Dislike, like. No, cancel the like. Everybody was disliking, disliking. Follow 12, nine remain. This account is followed by 12 people. <laughs> Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip. You know, you just listen to like that. I just said, you are still following. <laughs> Peter said, who shall we follow? <laughs> but we follow you for the wrong, right reason. You have the words of eternal life. What am I trying to say? Some of these are pushing. You want the church to be 50,000 people. Is the reason why you are not sleeping? For me, okay, this is my own personal testimony. Okay? It's my personal testimony. So you apply it to your own life. There's only one thing I, I feel like I owe right now is to make sure everything I preach, first, I preach everything that I'm supposed to preach, and they are recorded and distributed. So, that's why the other day my computer crashed, so I lost some files. Well, I was still to recover them. You know, I had not backed up for a while. You know, the Kingdom World messages, they didn't bother me. Do you know one of the reasons? They're already out. I can do like this and cover, recover them from, this, from the cloud. <laughs> They're on the website. I knew, I mean, the last book we, we like now, um, what's the name of this book? Um, Mark of the Beast. In a few days, I've downloaded by thousands. In fact, I'm certain that that thing is on more than 10,000 devices. Okay, now it's not like the big deal. I mean, your version is on over, you know, 500 million devices. So that's not the point. The one I'm going to make is that for me, shit has gone out. It will continue to circulate. For me, that's what it is. It will continue to circulate. It has gone out. So for me, it's about have you written it? Have you pushed it out? I remember the day, of course, when we first wrote, um, um, shall I say yes, was printed and distributed as um, paper copies, you know, hard copies. Then after a while, I put everything together. I remember the day I clicked publish when it arrived on our website, where you could now download the PDF free. It was some time after. I remember what I said to myself, to the Lord actually, in prayer. I said, I have removed the hallowed things out of my house. Now, that was what they were supposed to say when they would give their first fruits and I think 
their tithes. That's what God gave Israel. So I said to the, to the Lord, I have removed the hollow thing out of my computer. It's now in the clouds for everybody to download, click. And do you know what? We actually got a mail at the time from somebody in Ethiopia asking to translate the book to their local language that most of them don't, they don't use English as their standard um, lingua franca. As far as I'm concerned, I've removed what? The hallowed things. I'm not counting figures as to compete with anybody. I have removed the hallowed thing. So I'm just saying that's my own personal testimony. So if you know the one that God says is your own to do, and you judge yourself based on that, have I done what I'm supposed to do? Remember, poor plants, Apollos waters. See, that increase is not your problem. Each man, Paul said, will receive his reward according to the fruit. Truffles, false. Reward according to his labor. It's not whether he bought fruit or didn't bear fruit. Each one will receive his reward according to his labor. What does that mean? If God says, for example, Banky, go and plant in a particular area. And he picks two other people say, water what he will plant. Now, I go there. I go with my people here. We go together. We labor for days planting. And then we walk away. Then those who are supposed to water, Demas has departed from me, having fallen in love with this present age, and has gone over to Thessalonica. So they left the place and went over to Thessalonica. So there was no watering. So that the seed died. And there was no fruit. Each one receives his reward. How? According to his labor. We that left Enugu and went to the place to go and sow our seeds, we receive the reward for going. We receive the reward for sowing. That's all. We will not receive reward for, okay, after everything, how many souls were saved? How many of them made it to heaven? No, 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 no. Did you sow? Yes. Did you preach everything I said you guys should preach? Yes. That's all. So if we are going there, our prayer, we'll pray for everybody. But personally, the prayer should be, that will labor according to his instruction. That will not plant seeds that he did not give us. That as we are planting, we will not add our own tears with it. That's it. Please, let's bear that in mind. So let's know the thing. So, Pastor, instead of asking God, give us a church of 5,000 people. God said, these 300 I have given you for now. What do they know? What did they know? No, many, many times, <laughs> people are laboring to gather more members. The one you have, what do they know? How much of instructions have you given to them? If you see what Paul said, <laughs> he said, I did not withhold from you anything. I made sure I told you everything that I know. For that reason, I am innocent of anybody's blood. I didn't withhold, if I tell you this one now, you won't like it. No, I told you everything, whether you like it, or you don't like it, let it be on record that you heard it. For that reason, he said, I am innocent of everybody. If anybody now wants to go and die in sin, it's not my fault, though, because I told him the truth. Please, I hope you are getting my point. I'm saying this, that that's what we do here, teaching on prayer, so that we will know how to pray about the things that are important. Long life is important, amen? amen. Health is important, amen? amen. No, say amen if you believe it. Amen. Prosperity is important, right? When they gave Paul the opportunity to pray for people, what did he pray for? None of the above. None of the above. He prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. 
that God will fill them with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that they will know the hope of their calling. That was the emphasis, which is what I'm talking about today. For them to know, to have knowledge. Because you know, many times, if we know some things, our, see, let me say this, okay. Jesus said something. And it's a matter of fact. Jesus said it and we have experience with it. Now, if a woman, if I'm sitting down here now, and I'm hearing shout next door, next hall here, and I hear that shout, and it's a woman shouting. No, instantly, I will pause. What's going on? Let's assume we're not recording, we're not preaching. I would, I would ask people with me, what's going on next door? They don't know. So we get up, we go over there. Ah, we're hearing shouting. Ah, ah, ah. What is going on? They will go there. They will see maybe a woman in white, a nurse, and they see another woman in a white coat, a doctor, and we see a couch there. And one woman is lying on it. And somebody say, Madam, relax, relax. And they are checking the baby heartbeat. You know, we just hiss and come back and sit down here. As the pain stopped, she's not still shouting. Why did we just hiss and come back to sit down? She's in labor now. People are in labor, that's how they shout. Is it today? We suddenly realize that she's not sick. This shout, she shouted, she'll do it again. So we, we, we are not impressed. We are not impressed. If I, you know, doctors are very funny. Do not start saying that. Um, if I remember one of my lecturers in school saying that. They said that, uh, somebody said, I, mean, I think she's in stage two. He said, ah, no, it's not in stage two. It's a primary. Primary shout more than this one in stage two. And he continued giving his lecture. <laughs> this was his niece in labor. It wasn't a lecture when the labor was, was not teaching us, talking to us. He said, stage two. No, now she's not in stage two. She's a primate that is having her first child. If she's say, stage two, she'll be shouting this house down. So this shout she's shouting. Is, and he kept on joking. We're laughing. And one young man was shouting. You know why? It's called understanding. It's called understanding. It's called what? Understanding. Jesus said that she may be in labor now. He said very soon. She will forget all the pains. Why? Because a child has been born. So why are we not panicking? We are looking forward to the child being born. The shouting doesn't impress us. It's called labor. It's called labor. We'll even use to check what's the strength of the contraction. Oh, she's an established labor. And they will go down there and be picking our teeth and watching football and see if somebody monitor her. And we are not worried. But if we go to that same place, no doctor, no nurse, no couch, we just see somebody on the ground, doesn't have big abdomen, nothing. She's just rolling on the ground. Ah, ah. You know, the worry increases. First, how did you get here? Who brought you here? Why are you shouting? Suddenly we start praying. Hey, blah, 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 show them. I mean, call, call, call. You know, you start making phone calls. You are calling people. Why? You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. And so when God wants to bring us, now, I'm getting back to the, way, the reason why what we are doing today, okay? First, I've established that we need to get our prayer points right. And along the line, while saying that, I explained that you see Paul knew the kind of prayers to pray for people. All right? 
And when you have the right perspective, which was what Paul was trying to pray for, so that you will have understanding, your reaction to things in life differ. Now, before I go further into that, something I just need to say. Let me just say this about the character of God. God doesn't come in the morning and serve ice cream. And come in the afternoon and give you rice with plantain. You know, with well-barbecued meat. You know, real suya. And then at night, he now says that, which movie do you want to watch? Why you sip um, Chapman and then you are eating fries? You know, stuff like that. He said, you know, you are my child. Tomorrow, we'll do it again. So today, can you just can you change, change, you bring sandwich and then a bit of yogurt? But the flavor of the ice cream for dessert, I want it slightly different. Then God will say, "Yes, my son, my daughter. You know I love you so much. Just lie down there, be eating." No, no. Let me tell you, God doesn't do like that. It's unfortunate many times we preachers preach as if that's the way He is. Let me tell you how God really is. Wake up in the morning, everybody, get up, get up, get up, get up. What are we eating? No breakfast yet. Walk. Out, field, field. Which car are we taking? We are trekking. Lord, there is a car in the house. I said we are trekking. No problem. Get my boots. No. Barefoot. Excuse me. Yes, barefoot. Downstairs. Now, everybody, move. Who? Why? Who? Why? And that's God behind. That's it. We drill everybody. You remind him that we have not eaten. Say, no eating yet. For now, you get to the field. Everybody, one bottle of water, drink. Start harvesting. Then somebody comes, gives you sandals. Start harvesting. And you walk like that. Midday, they give you something to eat. Then go back to work. 6 p.m., you close. Trek back home. Remove the sandals. Barefoot. He does that. You can come on Sunday and say, today is ice cream day. Everybody take your ice cream. Eat your rice and plantain with suya. He can do that. Then Monday, get up. Everybody go and read. Yeah, athletics, run. He doesn't come around just making people happy. He trains people. It is a lie. If anybody tells you he does not take people through difficult times, he said he led you through the wilderness. He made you hungry. Then he fed you with manna. The reason why they were hungry was God said, make them hungry. He gives difficult times. Sometimes I say, not now. You want a job? No. Ah, that one, that one he did that one too. Even though I didn't think it was difficult time, but he did that one. You want to work now? No, no. I have other things for you to do. Because I see people preach as if he never does that. He does. Sometimes you are investing money. Everything is okay. Right. You are sure it's good. God said, now, cause one angel. Close it. And they shut down your investment in front of you. And it's not the devil. It's not the spirits in your village that don't want you to prosper. They want doing it to you. He wants you to prosper. It's why he's doing it to you. I've heard people say that, no, God doesn't need difficult to teach his children, teach them through the word. That's a lie. There are things he wants to teach, you can't even understand it. So he gives words quite all right. Sometimes he gives instructions first, then gives experiences. Sometimes, no, he gives experiences first before he gives you instruction, so that through the experiences, you'll be able to appreciate the instruction. Like has been said, they said the soul cannot imbibe truth in its living form until it needs it. You can hear many things, but when time to you, Unless you have passed through experiences that, you know, decode that thing into reality. Why do you think some of the greatest healing evangelists we have had in this world, they were sick? God made sure they had personal experience with sickness. So everywhere they went, they hated the idea of somebody lying down infirm. 
And God needed that passion to bring out that anointing out of them. Look, God leads people different ways. But what I want to just emphasize is that he causes pain. He causes difficulty. You can have the best brains, the best everything. God says, that is not what I wanted to do. You go for exam, he will fail you. I'm sorry to say it like that. He will just say, no, fail. And he will do the failure in such a manner that you can't blame yourself. It's not as if you're not being irresponsible. Because at that day, they will serve you a letter that says exam is, eight, is by 10 o'clock. Then you come at 10. They say, why are you just coming? said, my notification says 10. They said, the paper is one and a half hours and decided at 9. They look, excuse me, where is the paper they gave you? You start looking for it. The angel that gave it to you has stolen it. You will sit down. You begin at 10. 10 10.30, they collect their paper. And then you see the Lord work a miracle. There's a I'm planning to fail. You say, which kind of miracle? <laughs> why does he do that sometimes? So that you will learn something. I don't know why. Please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is what he does all the time. But these are things he may do. Do you know why Moses was in the wilderness? Let me tell you something about Moses. Moses was called from birth. We know his parents knew that he was a beautiful child. And instruction was given that he had the special assignment. They knew. When his mother put him on the, in the basket, coated with uh, tar and all of that, and put on the water, she wasn't guessing. She was following laid down instruction, which an angel gave. Told Miriam to wait around. They knew that Pharaoh's daughter would find it. These were clear-cut instructions. One day, of course, his mother raised him, handed him back to Pharaoh's daughter because of the arrangement that God helped them make. So he knew his destiny. So one day, his body began ginger. You know what they call ginger? You know, it was getting stirred up. So let's begin the liberation of the people. So we are going to declare sit at home on Mondays. <laughs> we are going to organize protests like Elsa Zaki's people and walk all the way from Medugri to Abuja. We are going to do everything. We will go on strike. We will protest. And look, you Jews, stop taking nonsense. No, you Hebrews, that's what they were called. Stop taking nonsense for the Egyptians. If an Egyptian slaps you, slap him back. Ha, okay. We should slap master back. Yes. How many masters have you seen with two heads? One head for you, one head for the master. He went around campaigning amongst the Hebrew. They were to show them one day, he fought an Egyptian on behalf of a Hebrew and killed the Egyptian. And he and the Hebrew quickly buried the Egyptian. Because this boy, he will spoil this whole thing. I want to deliver these people by my mighty hand. Not by this one you are doing. But how will I persuade this boy there's no trouble? So he put him in trouble. When he was done with that, so he went and met two Hebrews fighting. Then he judged the case of one. One that wanted to oppress the brother. Moses said, no, you can't do that. Your brother said, yeah. you want to kill me, Abby? The way you killed the Egyptian the other day. When if, if discovered that the matter has been spread abroad, he now ran away. That's a mistake we made. We assume Moses, Pharaoh was looking for him. You know what I found out now from scripture? 
he was ready to face Pharaoh. It was going to be his opportunity to give his speech. I have a dream that one day the Hebrews are going to He was going to have his day in court. That was his plan. And the same angel that had been guiding him all his life, that, guide, that guided his parents, said to him, get up. You will get out from here. You will go into the wilderness. How do I know? You say. It's in the Bible like that. Hebrews chapter 11. It said, by faith, Moses went to the wilderness. He left Egypt. Not because he was afraid of the wrath of Pharaoh. It was by faith. It was an instruction that that same angel that had been guiding the parents appeared to him and said, look, I'm the one that said this to your father, said this to your mother. Now what you are going to do is that you are going to get out of here before you ruin God's plan because of your zeal. So he felt that no problem. We are going to go for the next nine months. We are going to cool. They will come back. And then listen, God causes confusion. He said, eh, he's not an author of confusion. I know. But if you are not careful, he will cause confusion in your life. That like our friend said, God will tell you to go and wait somewhere. And you will be so sure he forgot you there. God said, go to the wilderness. Moses waited for the first year. Did God come? No. Second year, God didn't show up. Third year, he didn't show up. Fourth year, he didn't show up. After ten years, Moses was like, God, did you actually say I should come here? No answer, no communication, no way to go back. Nobody cared about him. Forget the whole issue. Forty years. Finally, he forgot the whole idea. My brethren, Hebrew men and the enjoy for Egypt. When I try to deliver in a curse, now begin curse me. <laughs> and God said, good. Somebody said to him, are you going to go back to Egypt? Ah, I said, that's when I was young. But now, man, man, what did not be firewood? I think I'm old now. I need to settle down in retirement. Actually, I have found out that sheep keeping is not so bad. After all, there's a lot of peace. God said, good. Now I can use this guy. What am I going to say? God arranged his failure. Until he lost strength in himself. He lost confidence, I wanted to say, in his own strength. Then God now said to him, you know the story. Let's go back. Then he was not the one saying, no. Find somebody else. They are younger boys these days. It's not the job for old men. We're talking about being a revolutionary here. It's not for young people. It's not for, for old people. Because he was talking about being a revolutionary. We're talking about being a prophet. So you will go and say, not do anything. Go and say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go. Because that's the assignment I wanted to have. You thought it was about organizing political parties. That's why I kept you here for so long. The assignment was prophetic. Listen, prophetic activity is not militancy. No, it's not. Too. It's not. Too. If you hear people say that Christians need to get involved in politics, yes, but not prophets. Prophets utter words. See, Moses came in the silliest of ways. Hold the staff. Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go. That's all. <laughs> no fear like any other thing. When is the protest? We are not doing protest. The Lord said, let my people go. Okay, I won't let them go. Say, okay, sir. <laughs> then you go say away. Come after a few days. The Lord says, the Lord, let my people go. If you don't let them go, I will show you something. 
They brought plagues one after the other. Then God was fighting his own battles. All, oh, for your information, Moses did not even say that. Too. I hope you know that. It was Aaron that said it. Moses whispered it. They get there. Two of them are standing. Aaron said, the prophet said, the Lord said, let my people go. <laughs> At the last, he said, if you don't let them go, I will kill your firstborn. He said, Israel is my firstborn. Let my son go that he may save me. What am I trying to say? A prophetic assignment is not the same thing as militancy. And Christianity, that's how it is. Some people say that Christians, they are not. Listen, Christians are supposed to diligently pursue their own assignment. The Romans, listen to this, listen to this. Nigeria needs this kind of thing. The Romans were oppressing the Jews. Jesus came to them. When he said they slap you on the right cheek, turn the left. He wasn't talking about Jews slapping each other. I'm not saying that Jews shouldn't turn the cheek to each other. No. He was talking about a Roman soldier slapping you on the right cheek. Give him the left. That's what he was referring to. He said, what? He said, when he says, go with me one mile. He said, go with him too. What does it mean? The Roman soldier carries his pack as an oppressor. Sometimes he will stop a Jew going about his business, carry my load for one mile. Jesus said, go with him two miles. It's like a policeman in Nigeria stopping you on the road. Say, I know your paper are complete too, but if you not give me 200, you know they go. Jesus said, give me 400. Is that not bribery? Uh, is your paper not complete? Did you commit a crime? It cannot be bribery if you did not commit an offense. What am I trying to say? Jesus was saying that, if I said like this, he said, don't resist the oppressor. Christianity is not a joke. Ah, and let me tell you something. When God says things like that, you know what it means? Let me do my thing. That's just what it means. Let me do my thing. Sometimes what God does is that, listen, I will push you to a place of helplessness that when you cry, it will be only in total faith because you have nothing else to trust. That's why Jeremiah said, just pray that is why you are young. He said, if they put your cheek somewhere and they are slapping, he said, keep it there. He said, if they slap you too much, they will provoke God. <laughs> he said, when you rise up, nobody will slap me. God said, good, fight. Nobody was like, yes, nobody will slap you. Two of them, I mean, they fight for there. I go, they watch for here. Give me popcorn. My son and his oppressor, they are fighting. And you will fight and fight and fight, and then you'll be tired. Because they should have allowed him to be slapping you. He will slap you to a point. You say, God help me. Then I will get up as a strong man that is aroused. I will get up like a lion out of my den. Then I will show to your oppressor that I am the Lord of hosts. There's a reason why they call me that. So God will just wake up one day. Say, call one angel. Go to the house of the Egyptians. Kill every firstborn. Then Pharaoh wakes up in the morning. And in every household, just crying. Suddenly, the people say, oh God, they have to go. I'm tired. We're tired of them. They let them out. And then give them everything. They say, ah, please, this journey we are going to do how long it last. So if you give me like that kind of $500,000, the guys say, take one million. Just go. I'm not sure this is our car. We'll be able to carry the family. Say, Bring that bus. It's a new bus. Take, go. But then they were leaving. All the goods of Egypt were with them. Something they could not have achieved if they tried it by force. Please, I hope you are getting my point. So somebody tells that God does not cause pain. person is not telling you the truth. Though. His reason is not for a bad thing. He trains people. 
It takes you through adversity. There are people that it's one trouble after another because you are going to be a redeemer. And you will never understand what people are going through except you have passed through it. Please, I needed to explain that. Because sometimes we look at life and we just think that, why me, why me, why me? You know that kind of thing. As if the devil is after me, the devil is after me, the devil is after me. Let's settle it. You are bigger than the devil. You are senior to the devil. I hope you're getting my point. You are not his mate. Do you get my point? It's important we understand that. Now, having said that, I need to just drop that for people to understand. That don't I just assume that all God just gives is sweet, sweet things. Sometimes he serves bitter things. Yeah, sometimes. We don't like it, but it's the truth. He told the church, you are going to suffer for 10 days. What's the only thing he told them? He said, be faithful till the end. Ah, uh-uh. With all the power in your hand. Call the suffering to two days now. In fact, why do we have to suffer for two days? Stop the suffering entirely. He said, no. And you know what he said to them? It's because they were faithful people. Who... Yes. Uh, let's read that. Quickly open to Revelation chapter 3. Sorry, chapter 2. You see the prayer we are going to pray today. I'm trying to get us to understand, you know, how to, that's praying important prayers. Now, please notice from verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, the first and the last who was dead and who has come to life says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Notice something here. He did not say, I have this against you. Did you hear that? Like he said to the other churches, I have this against you. Nothing like that. He said, I know of your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. There were people that pleased him. And he said, now, you are going to suffer tribulation for 10 days. So I'm not going to withdraw the tribulation. I'm just asking you what? Be faithful till the end. Jesus said, he that bears fruit, what does he do? He prunes. Why? So he can bear more fruit. You know what pruning means? I take some branches that are living. I cut them off. I see some branches that look like they are sick. I cut them off. I see branches that look like they are dead. I cut them off. I remove everything that will not allow that tree to bear more fruit. Let me give an example here. This is a very funny example. It came to my mind. When I came to, when we first came to Enugu that time, my wife was working in UBA. So they were, they used to, and then one of the brothers was staying in our house. I mean, the same building. We were staying upstairs. He was staying downstairs. He was working for um, Nigeria Breweries. So, so they used to bank in her branch. That's why I remember. These guys came, you know, these brand new massive trucks. We were marketing a particular drink. Now, Nigeria Breweries brew. Are you getting my point? They don't, they don't bring soft drink. Are you getting, 
Have you ever seen anybody brew kudno or something? You know, they brew, you know what I'm saying, lager, you know, stout and stuff like that. But we didn't drink. But they had another drink that was doing very well. That time it was Crush. And we loved Crush. My wife and I loved Crush. And that brother that was there, they used to give their staff drink, you know, I think every week or every month. <laughs> every week. So the, what we needed to do was just drink everything and give him back his empty crate. That the rule in the company is that bring our bottles and our crates back. So we're having a field day drinking Crush. Then one day, Crush disappeared. We're now left with drinking only beer. But since we couldn't drink beer, that was how our enjoyment with Nigeria breweries ended. So how come they stopped serving Crush? They said they just discontinued marketing Crush. Now, because we're not beer drinkers, we couldn't understand because that drink was doing very well. It was selling. Uh -uh. It was selling. I mean, why I mentioned where my wife was working was that they were bankers. So those boys used to come back. They had this new marketing method. They would come back every evening with plenty of money lodged in the banks every day. They woke up one day. They stopped selling crush. So I think we called the brother was there and all of that. What is going on here? You know what they decided? He that bears fruit, we prune. They pruned away crush. That for all the sales we were making noise about, it was taking more logistics, trucks, staff, bottles, Storage space that they needed to for beer. <laughs> the markup on each bottle, how much was the whole bottle? I don't know whether you're getting my point. They needed their space to market the real thing. That we were not drinking is our problem. This guy discontinued what we thought was selling, good business. But no, for them, they looked at the truck you were using to carry it. If this truck carried lager, Come on. <laughs> and all you, all you soft drink drinkers, when they give you one bottle, you don't drink one bottle, you don't finish. Maximum two bottles. But the third one, you had diarrhea. <laughs> but boys, they use lager. Ah, sit down, sit down. Ah, wait, how many times have you ever passed they are drinking fantasy? Say, come, 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 come and sit down. <laughs> they don't call you now. <laughs> but have you noticed those boys who drink beer? Ah, pastor, sit down, pastor, sit down. <laughs> you know, like, like, what did you say? <laughs> that if you, if you mistakenly say that, they, they pop their finger, bam, bam, man, has dropped two bottles in front of you. How their money know they take finish, I don't know. <laughs> they keep on bringing that money out and buying those bottles. You now say we should be selling crush. <laughs> That's Nigeria, bro. You look, say, look, 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 look. I know you and your wife, you like to drink soft things. Some things is not making us money. Now, I, that was my first introduction to that kind of business decision. Because I thought that, no, now this business is good. They said, no. Either bears fruit, what do we do? We prune. They pruned away my soft drink. Why? Because for their own core business, even though that thing was productive, I thought it was a drain on their resources. They needed to sell more beer. They needed to sell more stout. And they withdrew their trucks from distributing sugar. <laughs> Those sweet, sweet things. Now, that's what pruning is. Sometimes you are doing something that appears good to you. God says, it's not the main thing. 
So he cuts it off. You start a business, it looks okay. Because if I prosper this business, the main place I want it to go, you won't go it well. Initially, you make some money from it. After a while, it shuts it down. You're like, what? So I leave that thing. This energy, you will use it for something else. Please, let's get it clear. God doesn't just every time. No, sometimes when it's pruning, it doesn't feel good. Sometimes it prunes relationships. Some of you, you need to prune your Facebook. Spend too much time there. At least turn a screen. I don't depend on you now. It's pruning. Because hey, enough of skin staring. Cut stuff. Sin. People think, look, listen. If adultery is still your sin, you need to be rebaptized. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You're still telling lies, still your sin. Your baptism never, never complete. When they were dipping you in water, your ear didn't enter the water. <laughs> you, no, you need, to, you, know, you need to be saved again. Listen, for serious people, their sins are things that are normal for others and legal. Yes. That when you start working with God closely, some things that are okay for an average person, for you, it's just not right. For you, it's just not right. Because, you know, let's move to a higher level. Let's move to a higher level. Let's leave those foundational things. Let's go to a higher level. Like, don't spend your time like this. It cuts away friends. It just, add, look, he does that. Please, let's not get it, let's not give the impression that God only serves what is good. Sometimes it cuts off relationships that you'll have loved to hold on to. God says, no. Where you are going to in life, this won't take you there. It's him. He just cut it off. He, he, he said, it will pain you, I know. But after three months, you'll be okay. Then when you discover later, you'll be thanking me in areas. Like, oh, you know that time I was angry. Can I say thank you now? Please. Please, I, I hope we are getting that. Now, having said all of this, let me now say the main thing, which is our prayer point for today. Remember, we say fear. Let's go back to that story of that woman in labor next door. Remember that woman in labor next door? Yes. Why are we afraid? Or why would we be afraid? Because we really don't know what's going on. So if we were to know what was going on, which is why I gave the example of assuming that she's in labor, suddenly we know what's going on. We know the pain does not portend any horrible thing. So we'll calm down. Maybe telling her, sorry, but, <laughs> you know, I used to do those things when I, when I was a house officer. I'll be telling the women when, when they're in labor and I'm the doctor there. I was saying, sorry, then after I went, one, one woman shouted, doctor, please leave me alone. <laughs> I just remembered it now. Because she knew I was mocking her. <laughs> My sorry, I used to be mockery. Me and the midwives will be cutting eye behind the patient. Say, Madame, do no. I think she caught me cutting eye for the other people. But next time I say, Madame, sorry. He said, she said Doctor, please leave me alone. <laughs> I'm here in labor. You are mocking me. But why could I do the mockery? She was not really in trouble. Do you get my point? Yeah, she wasn't really in trouble. I understood that. Understanding helped me to be calm. Understanding will help everybody to be calm. When you don't understand, you panic. I hope you're getting my point. So one of the ways God gives people, you know, calmness of heart is to give them what? Understanding. Yeah, you know, we said that, let me go back there. Fear must not rule us for any reason. If we are afraid, we make wrong decisions. Do you get the point? If we are afraid, we make wrong decisions. 
There are times we leave one place for another simply because we are afraid. Sometimes we are offered something that should have been a blessing. We don't take it because we are afraid. Fear, anxiety, it shuts the flow of God's power into our lives. We say that. When God says fear not, it's not just a friendly word of advice. No, it's not. It's like, hey, 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 put the switch on. I need to flow power into your life. Fear is like switching off the mains into your house. So the public power of supply cannot enter. So you're in darkness, you're in confusion. Why? Because of fear. God wants to bless you. You close the road. That's what fear does. Without fear, all right, it's possible to walk on water. So that when Peter begins to sink, Jesus understands that it's not because water can't carry his weight. It's because he became afraid. The Bible says, fearing, he began to sink. The fear made him sink. If God puts confidence, you know, one of the things I've learned, when God gives you confidence, everybody else will think you're crazy. But the things they are afraid of will not happen to you. I hope you're getting my point. Let me pray for you. You will travel, you will be safe. Amen. You will travel, you will be safe. Amen. You will go out during the day, you will be safe. Amen. You will go out at night, you will be safe. Amen. You will travel on the roads in the north, you will be safe. Amen. You, will be, you will travel on the roads in the south, you will be safe. Amen. You will fly to Kaduna Airport, you will be safe. Amen. You will go by rail, you will be safe. Amen. You will go by road, you will be safe. Amen. You will go in your own car, you will be safe. Amen. You will go in public transport, you will be safe. Where people go through trouble, you will pass through there, you will still be safe. Now, please, don't make this mistake I used to make. Arguing with people as if they have been unreasonable. You are the one that's unreasonable. They are reasoning properly. You are, you are faithing properly. Do you get my point? Because sometimes when you want to argue, it's because your faith is so strong, you now think what you are saying is reasonable. And then because you pass through that same road, and nothing happens, and they say, no, everybody dies there. That's it, they are lying. They're not lying. It's like telling Jesus Christ that people don't sink on water just because he walked on water. Do you get my point? So get it, your life is a floating life. You're floating on water. Amen. Bear it in mind. Bear it in mind. Bear it. You know, it's important you get that. So I used to argue with people a lot. Now I'm, I'm, I'm reducing the argument. My problem now is when believers are not of faith. We're not getting into arguments. Like, look, come on, you're a believer. Let's bear it in mind, though. But this one really makes. So you see, fear, what does fear do? It makes Peter sink. Fear made Peter sink. It makes us sink. God knows there are troubles around you, but he wants to keep us from those troubles. That's why I prayed the prayer I prayed. If there's no fear in your heart, what God does is to cure fear. So last time we said one of the cures for fear is carry your troubles. What do you do? Go to the Lord and lay them before him. Let your request be made known unto God. Anything you're afraid of, tell him. Tell him. We discussed that last time. But one of the things God gives you, which is what I'm talking about today now, which we will pray for, is understanding. That's why I said everything I said. Don't just assume. Listen, I need to say it again. People go to prison every day. Huh? If you find yourself in prison, just add a new name to your own life, Joseph. Did you get my point? What does it add to your life? Joseph. That's your new name. Because, you see, everybody goes to prison. People may go to prison. But for Joseph, his own prison was a pathway to destiny. Did you get my point? People may go to prison for different reasons. But for Joseph, it was his own pathway to destiny. You'll have to learn to interpret your life. So, if there is difficulty, interpret it from the angle of faith. That's what I'm trying to say. That's why I said everything I said about God saves things, difficult things. I remember the young man that came to me one day. (laughs) 
He told me how well he did. No, he lived a very righteous life as a student. He was a fellowship president. Then after school, you know what he was expecting? God will settle him. At that point in time, so I was looking at him like this. He told me how his friends were making money. You know, Yahoo, Yahoo. They were doing it. And he said to me that if you give give him, I forgot how many days he told me. He said, look, if you give me one week on the computer, I'll make a million. And not to this million. That was a few years ago. So I was, waiting, I was waiting for the question, so what is the problem? That after everything, till now, God hasn't done anything for him. I looked at him. Are you dead? No. You have a small room that he came to work with somebody who was, was rendering some services for us at my convention. You said the man gave you a house where you live. He said, so you have a place you live, a room? Yes. It's your own? Yes. You have food? Yes. I said, please, can you explain to me what God has not done for you? I said, by the way, why should he do anything? Because I can't say anything you have done that's worthy of doing anything. You did not steal. Your friends were stealing. And you just bought long life now. I, asked, I said, oh, people were eating church money. You did not eat. You just told God you are faithful. So what is, what are you, do you know? As I was talking, I said, remember, he said, daddy, daddy. I said, each word I spoke like that, it shocked him. Somebody had told him that once you come out, bam, God will just blow upon you. God said, no. No. I told him, how old are you? He had, just, he had not even finished NYC, which gave me was at most in his mid-twenties. I said, it's good. You are bearing your burden. You are still young. Do you know this young man was shocked? I said, see your friends? They are driving those E-classes, sharp rice, tinted glasses everywhere. As I mark my words, I said, 15 years. From today, mark it. I said, every single one of them, one of three things will have happened. One, he had to be dead or dead poor or he gave his life to Christ along the line. I said, listen, there's no other option. I said, mark my words. Go and write the name of all your friends down and count 15 years from today. I said, will never be dead or dead poor. So poor that God gave them a life so you can tell the story. That kept them alive. Say, this one, you won't die. If you lie sick from now to tomorrow, I won't let you die. I want my son to point to you, to your poverty. I said, anyone that will not fall into these two categories, it will be because he repented along the line. I told him, write it down. You have 15 years to check what I've said. I said, what is it? You are telling me you did righteously. What did you do? You did not steal. We should not read. You did not steal. Let's praise him. I said, my friend, get up and go and save God. Do you know, he was shocked. I, know, I felt bad. So young people don't know these basic things. God doesn't owe you anything while you are young. He says, so that I might do you good. At the end, your life is not even ending yet. And even if the end dead, the real end is when Jesus was returned. The real end is at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are we talking about here? Let's not misunderstand this God we are serving. We are not serving him so we can build houses. Every house you build on this earth, no matter how fine it is, Burj Arab inclusive, Burj Khalifa, and all these super thin, what's the name, pencil buildings they are building in New York now, billionaire. When Jesus comes back, all of them will melt like wax. You will see them collapse like, like wax, as if, you know, born. You'll see it melt like this. Everything will come down. You'll see it be cardboard. They will just burn. So you think we are serving God because of that? We are not serving God because of that. At all! Let's get it clear. I just wanted to add that one to it. So how does God give us peace? He gives us understanding. He lets us know the real thing he's doing. He allows us to see from 
above and not from beneath. He calms us down. Quickly, Luke chapter 24. This is what he does for us. He gives us instructions. So we will know exactly what is going on. That's what he does. 21, sorry, not 24. Luke chapter 21. I'll read from around verse, um, from verse 25. There will be signs in the sun and moon and stars. And on the earth, listen to this, dismay among nations. Please, I need to read from a simpler translation. There's a reason why. So there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and string tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. For the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. Now, before that, verse 27, look at verse 28. He now told them. Verse 27 is where everything is going. He said, verse 28 now. So, when you see these things begin to happen, stand and look up. Your salvation is near. Straighten up and lift up your heads. Why? Your salvation is near. That is when people are scared and they are afraid. What the Lord did was to give you understanding ahead of time. That the things, in fact, there's something he said. Is it, did I, is, is it there now? Yes, I think it's there. Yes. Is there men fainting from what? Verse 26. Men fainting from what? From fear. And the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens to be shaken. Fear makes them faint. But what, what was the Lord giving to them so that they would not be afraid and they would not faint? He gave them understanding. He gave them information. He said, look at what is going on. No, 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 no. It's because the Lord is coming. That this calamity is not designed to break you. It's not designed to kill you. It is a, is a, is a heralding of the coming of your Lord. So in the midst of the calamity, look out. Your salvation draws near. Your redemption draws near. If you see, Daniel, the same thing. What did God give to Daniel? Daniel prayed and prayed. God sent an angel one day, go and meet Daniel. Give him what? Skill and understanding. Help Daniel to see what is going on. That's why it's our feet. I want us to pray. He said, help Daniel to see what is going on. Help Daniel to see what is going on. How is it that people become calm in life? They understand what God is doing. That's it. Now I want you to pray for a few minutes. Say, Lord, give me understanding. That's the thing. You need to pray that. Now, sometimes you are, in, you, are in, you are in situations. You need to pray, Lord, give me understanding. That my heart be established. It's so important we understand this. That's why Paul didn't come around praying for people. You, you imagine that God had delivered Joseph from the house of Potiphar. Now you don't want to imagine, say, ah, no, Joseph, you know, go good, though. Joseph, you know, go good, though. But you, you are praying to be delivered from the house of Potiphar, aren't you? <laughs> so that's what we are making. Say, Lord, I may be in the house of Potiphar. Give me understanding. Imagine that, just imagine it, that God had delivered Joseph from prison before Pharaoh dreamt his dream. And you are thinking, no, that wouldn't be good. But you are also in a prison, like Joseph, and you want deliverance. So what should you pray for this evening? Say, Lord, give me understanding. David said, the righteousness 
of thy testimonies is everlasting. He now said, give me understanding and I shall live. Say, Lord, help me to see from above and not from beneath. Look at the situation of this nation. You need to pray that prayer. Especially if you're a preacher. Please stop commenting like common men. It tires me out when preachers comment like common men. Your comment is just like an average person. What faith are you inspiring in the heart of those who hear you? If you're a preacher this evening, I want you to pray specifically. Say, Lord, concerning the affairs going on in this world, give me understanding so I can minister truth to your children. He said, I will give them pastors after my heart who will feed them with knowledge and with understanding. So if you're a pastor, you need to pray that prayer more aggressively than everybody else. You don't need more congregation. Come on, you have enough. That's not the issue. You don't need more money. That's not what you need right now. You don't need a new building. That's not the issue. What you need is, Lord, there's Russia fighting in Ukraine. What is going on? There's a repercussion of that across the world. What is going on? In Nigeria, bomb blast in Kaduna, on Kaduna Road, rail. Headmen attacks here and there. Banditry, kidnapping. IPOB ESN in the, in the, in the east. And agitations here and there want to break up, want to break up. Say, Lord, what is your counsel? It's an important prayer. Say, Lord, what is your counsel? What is the understanding that I am supposed to give to people? Sometimes what you need is on the understanding of what you ought to do now. Pray that prayer. Lord, what, sometimes God doesn't give you details of what is happening in your life. You just need understanding on what you ought to do. How do you ought to respond? There are businesses you are struggling to keep floating. God says, just shut it down. Just, God says, just shut it down. Just shut it down. Pray. Say, Lord, give me understanding concerning what I ought to do now. That thing is very important. It's one of the most important things that God will do for you. To help you understand what you ought to do. Sometimes he says, do nothing. Just wait. Sometimes he gives instructions what to do. Isaac sowed in that land. There are times they say, oh yeah, time to sow. I rise, take the mother and the child, go to Egypt until I tell you. It was an instruction. It was an instruction. It was an instruction. Moses, get up. Go to the wilderness. You're about to ruin what I planned for a long time. You will wait there, tarry in Jerusalem until you are in deal with power from on high. Instructions for each moment. Say, Lord, give me understanding. Concerning what I ought to do at this moment. I'm hearing all kinds of gist. You know, a female singer died a few days ago in Nigeria. Of course, domestic abuse is not the gist everywhere. A domestic abuse. Every woman walk out from a, 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 an abusive marriage. When they asked me, I say, Pastor Banke, I said, I was not there. I don't know what was going on. Why should you be commenting because of social media comments? I won't do that. Don't just follow everybody. Look, no matter what you are in right now, Ask God, what am I to do? It's not social media telling you how to handle your problems. God gives instruction. What am I to do? Give me understanding concerning what I'm supposed to do now, Lord. That's the prayer for today. Like I said, Christians, you know important prayers to pray. Help me understand what my life is about. Give me understanding concerning what I'm supposed to do. Those are the two prayers. Concerning understanding. Lord, help me to see from above and not from beneath. And if you're a preacher, Lord, election is coming in Nigeria in 2023. Give me understanding. There are so many things. When I tell people, I said, like, like Pastor Kim, they were telling us earlier. 
If you like, join the discussion. Have fun. But just know one thing for sure. God has appointed his man. God is the one that will appoint the person. Can be man, can be woman. God has appointed. He will appoint. Those two statements are very important. So all you can do is, Lord God, have mercy on us. Give us a good man. Give us a good leader that will execute righteousness and justice in the land, that will uphold truth, that will do, make policies that are in keeping with your will to keep us in peace so that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all, godly, in all godliness. That's how you pray. That is how you pray. If you're a preacher, limit you to that. Stop praying funny prayers like, God, is the turn of the south. Please leave that in. What you want is a good leader. <laughs> Just leave it like that. So for you, preacher, that's the prayer you should pray. That's the prayer you should pray. So that when you come to church and you speak, the faith of people is boosted. There are preachers that pre- preach, and people leave, they are afraid. There is no cause for that. Only sinners should be afraid when you finish ministry. Even if there's difficulty, if the person is not a sinner, he should have confidence as a result of your ministration. He should have confidence as a result of your ministration. But the sinner should be unsettled. Yes, the sinner, sinner should start looking over his shoulder. But some people will minister. Sinners are at confidence. They, they, are, they are at peace. They have confidence. Yet the righteous are unsettled. You are not ministering for God. You are ministering from the flesh. You are ministering for a wrong spirit. So preacher, pray. Because God said, I will give you pastors after my heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. Pray that you will be such a minister today. Understanding is important. Everybody remember, you are praying, Lord, what ought I to do? Lord, what ought I to do? He said, the righteousness of thy testimony is everlasting. Everybody pray. Give me understanding and I shall live. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. You have a few minutes to pray that prayer. It's a very important prayer. Take the matters of your life one by one. Lord, what, do, what ought I to do at this point? Sometimes you have difficulty. Lord, what ought I to do? Now, listen to this. Please, listen to this. We are going to continue praying in a moment for ourselves. You know, when I quoted that scripture from the book of Psalms, when it said, the righteousness of thy testimony is everlasting. And he said, give me understanding and I shall live. What I want to just bring out from that, which is what David was saying, is that you see, many times we are in difficulty in life. We just need to make a critical change. I hope I get my point. Now, you can't be you know, punching, like Paul said, as one punching the air, trying everything. Do you get my point? Each point in time, there is one thing that God wants people to do so that there will be a change in their situation. It's hardly more than one thing. Hardly more than one thing. How many times people, two things. Some, they don't know it. Some, you tell them they don't believe it. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. Let's talk about the domestic issue as an example. You know, people say that, hey, walk out of an abusive marriage. Please, walk out if you have to walk out. I'm not telling you don't walk out. That's not my problem. But sometimes God says, don't walk out, just shut up. God, God won't say, look, walk. God says, just do what? Shut up. 
The friend said, walk out, walk out. God said, no, 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 no. I don't want to walk out. I want you to just what? Just shut up. Then you shut off for a year and abuse his history. They say, oh, what if I had walked out? I don't know whether you get my point. That's why I say, don't let social media dictate things for you. You go and pray. You need to repent. You need to change. Many times in life, let's say money as an example, finances. You know, that's why business by the spirit. We have to still do it. Sometimes you look at somebody doing business. It has happened before. One brother was having serious distress in business. I said, please, talk to this brother, brother, who knows how to handle some stuff. That one looked and just showed him where he was doing things wrongly. Just one thing, not two things. Say, Lee, see, see where your problem is. Many people say that they said that uh, my, 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 my mother-in-law is a witch. Have you heard that before? You know what I found out? I have seen many mothers-in-law in this life. I have not seen one that's a witch. I have not seen. There are witches, though, but I've never seen anybody whose mother-in-law is a witch. I'm sure there are. In fact, okay, there's one person I just remember that the mother-in-law was a witch. Yes, that's one. <laughs> it's just one. All the other ones that said their mother-in-law are witches. In fact, there's one guy, you know, he told me, the day his mother-in-law died, he laughed. He said, the witch don't die. <laughs> yes. And when the woman was being buried, she, he didn't go. He would tell me, he said, me, I'm very lucky now. I married a good woman from a good family. One day I told him, I said, let's leave that. You are a difficult human being. No, I told him to his face. I said, living with you, it's hard. Working with you, I know how bad it is. So, living with you, how it go be? No, we're just talking, not just normally. I said, let's ask this. I said, you know you're a very difficult person. I told him. He said, what do I, what do I mean that he's difficult? I said, we know you now. He's a difficult human being. So, you know, you listen that your, your mother is in law is a witch, your wife is a witch. You unko. Witch provocateur. Or provoke it. Norm, if, you, if that guy marries a normal person, she will join with COVID in, within a week. Just for, for survival. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Everybody listen. We need, it's, so, it's so crucial. It's so crucial. We, we change. God, many times, just say, look, just, if you're feeling right, it's the very reason why you need to pray this prayer. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, Some people are in the, the office and nobody likes me here. Let me tell you the truth. If you were the other people, you wouldn't like you too. Yeah, that is true. You don't know it yet. If you were the other people, you wouldn't like you too. It's not the office people. It is you. With that in mind, please, five more minutes, three more minutes, let us pray. Say, Lord, give me understanding and I shall live. That's what it means. There's a place you need to change the way you do your work. There's something you need to change the way you, you know, you relate with people. That's what Christians pray about. Give me understanding and I shall live. That's what we are saying. That's what we are saying. Give me understanding and I shall live. That's the meaning of that word. No witch can run your life. Forget that thing. No evil person can control you. When the ways of a man please the Lord, it makes even the enemies to be at peace with him. Give me understanding and I shall live. There are one or two scriptures I want to read while we pray. I'll read them out. Okay, let's just read this one. Job chapter 34. Job chapter 34. We're going to read verses 31 and 32. 
And then that, with that, we'll summarize our prayer and we'll give thanks and we're done for today. Are you there? Job chapter 34. From verse 31, 1 to let's go. Shut Sorry, I didn't read along with you because my own translation, I switched it for a certain reason. When I told my Bible was giving me issues. Around that time, I switched my translation. So, But you get the point. He said, for has anyone said to God, I have borne chastisement, I will not offend anymore. That is, even though I think I'm right, teach me what I do not see. If in that process I discover that I have done iniquity, I will not do it again. The other day, somebody asked me, that. am I saying everybody that's in trouble? Is a result of sin. I said, yes, most certainly. The fellow thought I would be apologetic. I said, yes, most certainly. He said, what do I mean? Yeah, how can I be speaking like that? I felt like saying, did I tell you me I've never been in trouble? Or that I'm not in trouble right now? He said, you sit on your high horse. I said, did I tell you everything was right with me? But I didn't have time to argue with him. He was a classmate. I said, listen, what people don't understand. When I said that, she should have said, Banky, what do you mean I'll have told you? Sin does not mean you stole somebody's wife. It doesn't mean it. Sin just simply means there is a place you are supposed to be, you are not there yet. That's all. That's why this prayer is important. There is a place you are supposed to be, you are not there yet. One of the most hubric... Is that English good? You know, I keep on getting confused in the world. Okay, I'll that no confusion. One of the greatest statements of hubris I ever heard in business was that of Nokia. Was it Nokia or Blackberry? Do you know what I want to say? <laughs> Thank you. So it's Nokia. You know? Are sure it's Nokia? Yes, it's Nokia. It's Nokia. Yes, it's Nokia. It's Nokia. It has to be Nokia. You know why it has to be Nokia? They are the ones that came from the tippy tippy top. You know those days in, in the mobile phone, mobile telephony? Nokia was number one. I've forgotten, is it 100 million units? They said they sold of 1110. 3310 is still an iconic phone till today. After 3310, they came out with 1110. Those phones were everywhere. I still remember, what's the name of this American um, runner? Um, I think it was Michael Johnson. I think it was Michael Johnson that used to advertise for them. Nokia, you know? Nokia was everywhere. Everybody knew that song, even before you had mobile phones. The way it was in the world that time was Nokia, number one. Then Motorola, number two. Then Samsung came up somewhere along the line, became number three. We overtake Motorola, and then Motorola will overtake them back. Motorola released Razor and pushed Samsung back. Nobody went near Nokia. Then one day, the kingdom began to shake. The head of gold was about to give way to the chest of silver. <laughs> A goat was about to charge from one part against a ram. Thought it was a joke. I happen to remember then when they were advertising, it was in, in the US, when they were advertising the iPhone. This is the internet. This is not a scaled down version of the internet. This is not sort of like the internet. This is the internet, the iPhone. Ah, it's like Nokia looking at the, the Nokia guy now said, we decide. The, the, the move of 
mobile telephone in the world. He made that statement. God said, the power belongs to God. Once he has spoken, twice I have heard this. Like play, like play. Let's make a long story short. Apple started, start, began to climb. Motorola suddenly started reacting. You know, I like Samsung. They know the, there's no pride in their matter. If not to copy Apple, we'll go copy them. <laughs> this is the way the kingdom is going. <laughs> Nokia kept on struggling. Little by little, they were dropping, dropping. Small, small boys who will recover from China overtake them. Everybody all over the world, even in no same phone, self, almost overtook them. You know, you know, he had a phone at the time. Many people don't know. Yeah, he did. He had a phone at the time. He didn't, want, he didn't go near Nokia, but he had a phone at the time. <laughs> then that man made a statement. Finally, when they were shutting down their, their mobile phone, they had to shut down. If you buy a Nokia now, phone is not the original Nokia. They sold the name to other people are now using it to market. Then just when they were selling it off, he said, we did everything right. We don't know what happened. I said, nonsense. So that's a statement of hubris. Pride. They did everything they knew to do the Nokia way. But God had left the Nokia way. That's it. Look, listen. I don't want to... Look, listen. When God gives kingdoms, nowhere he has kept the kingdom. You know, one of the things I like... Oh, we're not speaking for me. One of the things I like about Samsung, eh? They know where the kingdom is. They, do you know they have their own operating system? It's called Bada. Yes, they have their own OS. But they realize that the kingdom is in two places. iPhone and... I, that's, what, what do you call iPhones? IOS. iOS and Android. They use that Android to outsell every human being on this earth. iPhone doesn't sell close to them. At all. They sell phones like mad. They make big, make small. The only that since God gave the kingdom to Android, we shall put Android on our devices. So they don't make money so much from software sales like Apple does. That's the difference. But if it is selling, uh, boys, they sell. They, they sell to young, they sell to old. They sell to rich, they sell to poor. They sell to men, they sell to women. Look, once you want phone, someone goes sell to you. Why? They recognize where the kingdom is. Other guys stubbornly refused to change. Blackberry stubbornly refused to change. One after the other. Listen, you can't battle against the Lord, though. Once God gave the kingdom to some people, this my guy struggled and struggled. And I said, we did everything right. No. Let's not go into what they, some of them could have done right. I knew what they could have done, and they would have been saved. Listen, this life, eh? You have to ask God. Say, Lord, that which I don't know, teach me. That's all. Sometimes you are just so, you are struggling anyhow. Say, that which I do not know, Lord, teach to me. That's it. Say, Lord, teach me. You may think you are doing it right. No, care people were making noise. We did everything right. God said, no, the kingdom is not there anymore. And they were not willing to recognize it. Those who recognized where the kingdom was, I gave it to them. So ask yourself, Lord, that which I do not know, teach me. There are people who are struggling to do a particular business. God said, I removed, I removed grace from, and I'm trying to spare you. That's why it's not working. Because I'm shutting this thing down the next one or two years. Go and pray. What am I to do now? That which I do not know, teach me. 
I just gave that example. That's Nokia people that they were making mouth. They didn't know God has shifted the kingdom. God has shifted the kingdom. When God declares where the kingdom is, you can't fight it. He said there's a head of gold. After it is coming, the shoulder of silver. You will see it. You will see the belly of bronze. You will see the legs of iron. Say, Lord, let me not miss my timing. Let me not miss what you are doing in a particular season. Let me not stay in a particular place beyond the period you want me to stay there. That which I do not know, teach me.